Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtcast. Cole Petum here as always. And of course, I am joined by Tom Nightingale as well. We're here to recap Aston Villa 2, Norwich City nil, Dean Smith's um, Norwich City Army, I guess you could say. I butchered that. I should have said green and, or yellow and green army or whatever they call themselves are now relegated because of Villa and, of course, mainly because of Burnley. But regardless of that, of course, we're here to talk more so of the Villa perspective with a, a hint of, I guess, Dino applause and appreciation because it is a little bit emotional seeing him back at Villa Park and not in our dugout. But anyways, let's go over to Tom first. Tom, how's it going for you? Yeah, not too bad. Can't be too disappointed after first win in, well, I think it's 51 days since Villa last won. It was, it was the 3-0 away at Leeds. It feels like a lifetime ago. Um, so nice to get back to winning ways. Some goals, clean sheet. Um, you know, I'm not going to... It was a bit of a mixed bag, wasn't it? It wasn't. It was far from the complete performance. I was a bit disappointed that Norwich had so much of the ball and I thought we were living a bit dangerously at times um, at nil-nil and then at one-nil up. But, um, you know, I'm not going to get too disappointed about that because I do think on another day we could have, you know, there'll be there'll be fans who say we should have rolled them over and scored four or five on another day we could have done really like Ings had two really good chances very unlucky maybe could have hit the one you know that the ball played over the top where he took a touch could maybe have hit it first time it's a bit difficult as it drops over your shoulder um his header off the bar or the post was really unlucky um yeah so you know on another day we could have scored more but you know I'm not going to get too uh I'm not going to say anything more really than just it's hard to be too disappointed with a 2-0 win after the the run of games that we've had in recent weeks yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it looked like it was a, a relatively beautiful day in Birmingham as well. It's a beautiful day here in Ontario, Canada, too, for both me and Tom. So, you know what? It was nice to have a, a nice win on a nice day and you can go out and enjoy it and not be miserable and glum and wonder what is next for Villa. We're at 40 points. We're up to 13th. Um, I, I can't really say happy days because, of course, we still want to be higher and more ambitious, but at the end of the day, it is what it is. We're in the Premier League 100%. All those um, kind of, um, I guess, little whispers of people being concerned about uh, and really proclamations more from some saying we might go down still. That's basically done and dusted. So happy days. Another season in the Premier League. More to build on. But um, Tom, I mean, let's let's start with the first, I guess, I guess we can start really with the first half more so than anything. I mean, it wasn't the greatest first half, a little shaky at times. I thought we had some good spells of possession at times as well. Um, Like you said, of course, not really taking chances when we probably should have playing a 4-3-3 with Leon Bailey and Coutinho out wide. So, you know, let's start there with Coutinho out wide and Leon Bailey starting because, I mean, I I think it's fair to say we all know Coutinho at least for me, isn't a winger. Um, I don't really know what Leon Bailey is, to be honest, at this point in time. And I don't want to throw too much shade because he did um, have a wonderful effort saved by Tim Cruel, be nudged off the post. Um, that, in all honesty, on another day, probably would have went in. So fair enough to him. But what'd you kind of make of the forward line today? I mean, it was a little bit of a stutter start, like I said, but eventually with a little bit of tweaking, it did come good. Yeah. I mean, when the, when the team was announced, I'm always... I mean, I'm always pro Emi Buendia starting, I have to say. I do think he's one of our one of our better, if not our best, creative player. I like the all-round work that he brings. Um, but when I saw, you know, against Norwich at home, when I saw Coutinho, Bailey, and Watkins, you know, there was I wasn't there was nothing there to upset me, right? Because that's that should do the job. And in the end, it did do the job. But I was maybe a little bit underwhelmed. Coutinho, you know, he's obviously his class showed today, but 
if we're being frank, like it's clash should show, shouldn't it, against the worst team in the league at home when you're expecting to have a lot of space and everything uh, on the ball. Like some nice passes, created some good chances, but it was all a bit, it's just a, a little bit underwhelming, really. Um, I was really pleased for Watkins to get his goal. I know it went in via a deflection, but he won't care about that, will he, really? Um, I thought he did very well. Um, great ball from Ings and then uh, a bit of a bit of bit of fortune with the defender slipping over, but um, um, makes me think of that goal that Villa conceded a few weeks ago when we had like the double. I can't remember who it was against, but like the double slip in our defence and whoever it was squad. I can't remember what it was. They all they all blur into one after a while. Um, but I was pleased for Watkins to get his goal. I think he's put you know he. I've been a little critical of him in the past. I don't think he's exactly what you'd call a ruthlessly clinical finisher in front of goal. But he works. He works his socks off every game. Um, so I was pleased for him to get the goal. Flip over to the other side. I mean, go back to Coutinho. I agree with you. I think he's better in a central role. But it's difficult, isn't it, when you want to try and strike the balance? Like unless you're going to play Watkins and Ings up top together, then Coutinho is always going to have to be either drifting from centre out wide or drifting from out wide into the centre. So it's sort of a different, difficult balance to strike. Leon Bailey. I mean, would have would have been an absolute screamer had that goal gone gone in. So fair play to him. But I just, I can understand what Gerard says about him, like wanting to put together a run of games, show a, show us what he's got, you know, try and play, play his way into form. But then you have two problems with that, really. And one is that we've got, what, four games left or whatever it is, five games left, four games left. And then we've got a three-month break. So even if he does play, play his way into form, doesn't really matter, does it? It doesn't really mean anything. He's, whether or not he plays his way into form, he's going to have a three-month, pretty much a three-month break to reset and start from scratch, which I think will be good for him. I think he needs that because this season, let's be honest, hasn't gone the way that he would have drawn it up. You know, um, him and Craig Butler in their behind-the-scene chats uh, when they're not live on YouTube would, would, would have been hoping for a lot more from this season than, than he's had. Um, I do feel a bit bad for him with the injury again as well, but I find him an intensely frustrating player to watch. I've got to be honest. I've got to be honest, especially when you have a, like a creative outlet like Buendia, who you've paid a lot of money for, who every time he comes on again today, I think looks excellent. Buendia's work to set up Ings' goal, the strength in the box for such a small guy to bring the ball under control and everything. You know, every time he comes on, I think he looks great. I'm firmly in the Emmy Buendia fan club. I'm not sure I can say the same about the Leon Bailey fan club if such a thing exists. I, I just, there's a good player in there, obviously. But apart from 10 minutes against Everton, I don't really think we've seen it. Today, he wasn't awful, but he just, he you know, he the I feel like attacking moves break down with him quite a lot. And I also feel like he doesn't, you sort of said it really. I'd, I don't even think he knows what he is at the moment. Like, is he a winger? Is he a sort of winger come striker, you know, who like pace through the middle? Does he like to get in behind? Does he like to have the ball at his feet and beat players? Sort of don't really know because I'm not sure we've really seen great success through any of those avenues. Um, so, I mean, this isn't me writing him off. Like there's definitely a great player in there who paid a lot of money for him, but I don't really, even if he's fit for next week, I'm not sure I really subscribe to the view that it makes sense to be give him a run of games and try and play his way into form because we've sort of been trying that for a while and I'm not sure it looks like there's a run of good form on the horizon for him, to be honest. No, I mean, you're hundred percent right. I mean, at this point, too, we don't really know the extent of what I assume would be an ankle injury. Um, and I mean, you're playing Burnley next. So are you really going to want to set up that way to you really know how they play? They're a little bit more expansive since uh, Sean Dyche has uh, left. But mm-hmm. keeping that in mind as well, um, they're still going to be that kind of physical force, too. So it's going to be interesting if you're looking ahead in that perspective. And I mean, really when you're going back to this win over Norwich, I I think really it all kind of starts and ends with Danny Ings today. I mean, that switch to kind of a two up top um, one playing off another. I mean, I mean, we absolutely bitched and moaned about it at the start of the season and how we thought this would never work. And I mean, it it just seems like they finally started to click here in little um, little spurts, which is it's nice to see, to be honest. It's it's good to see that we have two strikers that both were for one, both got on the score sheet today and both are starting to produce, albeit high fee still. And you'd probably like to see a little bit more production. But I mean, just 
I feel like when you're looking at someone like Bailey and the other wingers we have, so throw in Traore and I guess even though Trezeguet is on loan, I mean, group them all in there. And then you have someone like Buendia, who's not really a winger, but he's kind of an out and out, I don't know, wide attacking midfielder more so than anything that likes to cut in. I just feel like for me, it's not necessarily like you're gaining a lot of pace with Buendia, but you're gaining that willingness to track back, that hunger to close down space. And the neat and tidiness and the kind of trickery on the ball, I think the biggest kind of frustration for me with Bailey today, well, there's two. There's one in the first half, I think slightly before his injury, where I think Cash worked it slightly into the box. All Bailey really had to do was try to cut it back to the center. And he basically stumbled over his own feet and just kind of gave it away and they went away with it. And I mean, you can kind of say those are one instance, like one in a few instances, but like it happens all the time, really. It's not something that's new. The other one, of course, like I said to you, Tom, before the podcast was, of course, after the injury, I thought he would have went off, didn't go off. Um, and then he's on for another, what, 20 odd minutes or so and seemed to get a little bit better. But then as soon as it kind of went past our at the halfway mark into her own end he really didn't bother tracking back and I wouldn't say he never does but you could tell something was lingering and then of course when he lost the ball and they wanted a bit of a counter and he couldn't even I wouldn't say couldn't bother but maybe physically he couldn't really um, kind of stick up to the challenge it's just for me when I look at that that's probably poor man management in my opinion to some instances someone hurt is hurt get off the pitch in my opinion and the other thing there is, I mean, yeah, you can say it's unlucky that he continually gets injured, but I don't know. Maybe he is just in a long winded way. Maybe he is just one of those players for Villa where it's not meant to work out. It's really starting to feel that way. And it's unfortunate because you look at it from, um, I guess, a long term standpoint, you're probably never going to get your money back or kind of get a improvement on, on your investment at this rate, it feels like. Um, but you know what? I guess that's last summer. It's a learning lesson of what hopefully not to do again. Yeah. Um, heading I mean, into this one. So with him starting today, you know, like I was like I said at the start, I'd always like to see I always like to see Buendia in the team. But part of the thing is that I I just I don't feel at all like and possibly correctly, but I don't feel at all like Gerard and staff see Buendia and Bailey as competing for the same position. You know, I think the problem is is that Buendia is competing with Coutinho and it's a battle he's gonna lose week in week out in terms of the selection battle so unless you go back to playing two narrow number 10s which has had very mixed results I think this season so I don't know how likely it is that we go back to that for more than just the odd game you know before the summer so I don't really see a path back in for Buendia which personally I think is a shame Bailey um I didn't have too much of an issue with him starting today because I think I said I said it before before the game that you know ba- Bailey's mo is seems to be try and make things happen fair enough to him and he nearly made the, a great goal happen today with that shot that's tipped onto the post or at the bar um, but unfortunately his mo also includes losing possession a lot like and but but the thing is today like playing Norwich at home I know that Norwich had a lot of the, had more of the ball than we'd like to see ideally but I didn't really feel like we were ever. You know, as a Villa fan, it's always a bit nervy, isn't it? But like with hindsight as well, I don't really feel like we were ever in serious danger of throwing away the the either either at nil nil of falling behind or of throwing away the one goal lead. And so, in that sense, like playing Bailey today, obviously the gamble didn't pay off because of the injury. But I do understand it because we had more of that luxury where we're going to have a lot of the ball and build attacks. So if we lose possession will just come again, which we were doing in the first, uh, for most of the first sort of half hour. Um, but I agree. It's kind of like the, the situation's not the same, but I get uh, Bailey gives me a similar feeling to Morgan Sanson in the it's good player in there. And if they were to leave, I would not be surprised at all to see them thrive somewhere else if they can stay clear of the injuries. But you do get a bit of a nagging feeling that maybe it's not meant to be here. Um and, you know, I don't want to be too, I don't, re, I don't mean that too sort of despondently because Bailey is a good player, but, you know, signed for a different manager, signed for a different system. Uh, I feel like, like, I feel like we're sort of, by trying to play him and give him a run of games, I feel like we're compromising the, the greater good of the team, really. Because um, I just don't really think we have a style that suits him. And 
I know that he's a very good, Gerard says he's very good in training and he's very hard worker and stuff. I don't doubt any of that, but we as fans can only judge based on what we see on the pitch. And I'm not really liking what I'm seeing from him that much, um, you know, but you mentioned and the flip side, you mentioned Ings. I thought Ings was excellent today when he came on. You could say maybe, you know, maybe he should have been a bit more clinical with his finishing. I think that's a bit harsh if you would, you know, as any someone was to say that, because the header off the off the woodwork is really unlucky. Reminds me of the header that Emmy Buendia scored at Everton, you know, that near post does so well to get the loop on it. And um, so that was really unlucky. And the other one, you know, you can say that you should have taken it first time or should have been more clinical, but the ball dropping over his shoulder, it's very hard to be accurate with that, get the power and accuracy first time. And then it was a really good recovering challenge from the defender. But, you know, Ings came on and the pass to Watkins for the first goal helped by the defender slipping slightly, but just excellent. It's got that vision and execution, which we see, we've seen a couple of other times, you know, for Leon Bailey's goal against Everton way back in September or October or whenever it was, Ings played a similar sort of long, long, accurate pass, you know, um, and I'm really pleased that Ings got his goal as well because you sort of, you can't knock the numbers really. Like uh, I think that was Watkins' ninth league goal of the season. Ings has six now, but also has six assists. So if you count goals and assists together, that's in the league. That's twelve for Ings, which is two more than any play- any other player for Villa. That's very impressive considering that Ings has only started nineteen games in the league this season. It's a it's an impressive return, really. Um, so. I'm pleased for him, really, because I think he's a real he's a real hard worker as well. I do I like Danny Ings a lot, um, and it's what we were saying at the start of the season when we signed him. Whether or not we find a way of playing consistently where Watkins and Ings play together and flourish as a partnership, isn't it just fantastic to have Ings off the bench as an option? We haven't been in that position for years and years where we've had two genuinely good Premier League quality centre forwards. It feels very nice to have that. And it's showed showed again today with Ings with an assist and a goal. Um, since some talk of people thinking that we should let Ings go in the summer, which I just don't, I can't really get on board with because you're never going to make the money back that you spent on him. Never, ever. Um, we did pay a bit of a premium for Ings, I think. I know he's not that old, but you're not going to recoup that money for him. Um, and his numbers don't really lie. You know, he he he, he does pop up with decisive contributions. So yeah, just a great guy to have in the squad, really. I was I was pleased, pleased with both Watkins and Ings today. I thought they led that led the line pretty well. Um fair fair enough. <laughs> I didn't know when to stop you there, but anyways. Um no, I I do agree. I mean like I think the biggest thing when you look at Danny Ings's game going from a pure goal scorer to a kind of a hybrid of creator and goal scorer. So, you know what? I, I think it depends on the system and the team that you're moving to and playing for. And of course, he's an Englishman. We all know that. And I know there's kind of less excuses for English players moving between English sides. But of course, there's an embedding period. And then you have Dean Smith to Steven Gerrard as well. So there's all that to kind of keep in mind too. And I mean, now you're at 40 points, you're sitting in 13th. I think realistically probably around 10th is realistic at this point for the rest of the season with the run in with uh Burnley twice in Palace and I mean who knows what's going to happen against City I feel like it's probably going to go one way more than the other way that I want it to but regardless of that um I'm going to kind of hold that in my piggy bank until hopefully it happens but it's going to be interesting you can probably start to think maybe that Steven Jared's going to tinker with the lineup and test more things out. And I mean, we might as well bring it up now, Tom, of course. Um, I'm going to refer to him as a big Tim, um, Tim Irabunum. Ira, Ira I'm going to butcher that. So I don't know. I, I struggle with him. I say Luca Digne or Dean. I, I realize I say that on different podcasts all the time. There's probably about five or six other names that I say differently. So if anyone has lots of time to go back and listen to old podcasts and put those all together, please send it to me at talk Astaville on Twitter. I, I would enjoy that, but um, don't waste your time if you don't want to. But of course you have that midfield of Ramsey, big Tim and John McGinn as well, which is it a little annoying Tom now that we're seeing the John McGinn that we wanted to see about three or four weeks ago, but uh, it, it just seems like now, of course, like the same thing with Leon Bailey, we only have a few games left really. And uh, now we're getting, I wouldn't say we're obviously, of course, not getting the good form of Leon Bailey, but we're getting the good form of John McGinn. And now you're sitting there thinking we're going to have to build them all up all over again over the summer. So hopefully it's a good preseason. <laughs> I, I, I thought I thought McGinn was good today. And I think that it's um, 
we've been saying, I think a, a lot of fans have been saying for a while now that part of the issue with McGinn is that he's not really quite being utilised correctly. He's been asked to do a lot of the defensive work and stuff. And I, I think that was, it was evident today that, I mean, Tim Robinham, 18 years of age, first Premier, Premier League start, like it's never going to be perfect because the lack of experience in the youth, but I thought it was about as good a first start as you could hope for, really. Another one, I don't know how we keep producing these young players who come in looking like they're, they come in looking like 24, 25 year olds at the age of 18. So composed, so composed. And I thought he was very good at screening the back four, which we've been crying out for, haven't we? For ages, we've been crying out for that. Um, and I thought he did a pretty good job of that today, um, especially considering how, you know, his, his lack of experience. And I do think that allowed McGinn to have some of the weight taken off his shoulders, which is always nice to see. Um, I, I thought the balance of the midfield is pretty good today. I mean, I know it's no disrespect, but I know it's only Norwich, uh, no disrespect to Norwich fans, but, you know, so there'd be sterner tests to come, won't there? But um, I thought the balance was pretty good. We were getting a lot of Ramsey, some neat footwork from Ramsey, getting the ball down and running with the ball, which I, I loved seeing Jacob Ramsey in full flow with the ball at his feet. Um, thought McGinn was a lot better, did a lot of the quiet work nicely, but also was able to sort of drive forward a little bit more. Irogban, I'm so composed um, and nice. And then you look at the bench today, you know, I know we don't know what's going on. Well, two players really, uh, Carney Chukwamaker and Douglas Louise. We're not sure what's going on with their futures, but to have, for now at least, to have Louise Chukwamaker and Marvellous Nakamba all on the bench as central midfield options is, I mean, we haven't had that all season, have we? That depth. Um, throw Morgan Sanson in when he presumably eventually resurfaces. <laughs> um, and the, the central midfield is looking quite looking quite nice, really, summer notwithstanding. But considering we're there's no way on earth we don't add a first-team quality defensive midfielder. So if you can get away with only... I think realistically we're definitely going to lose one of Chuck Wameker and Louise, if not both. If you can get away with only losing one of them and you can go into the season with a new defensive midfielder, McGinn, Ramsey, Louise, Nakamba, Iroganum, like that's... Good for for a mid-table Premier League side, which is firmly what we are. Like that's really good midfield depth, especially if we can find a way of putting three midfielders out on the pitch and playing to all three of their strengths at once, which obviously has been the main issue this season. Um, but I thought the balance was good today. You know, we've had earlier in the season we had games where I thought we thought the midfield's been fantastic, and then for the last few weeks, not been up to scratch most games. Leicester was better, but been walked through far too often and obviously we never expected we didn't didn't expect that to happen today and okay Norwich maybe had a bit more of the attacking possession than we would have liked to see but I don't really have any complaints midfield wise today at all no and I think the thing too is like I mean briefly looking ahead to the rest of the season I mean I'd be shocked if you see um big Tim um it's gonna be weird kind of remembering to call him that now but anyways um I'd be shocked to see him start against Burnley to be honest I think that's big expectations against a very physical side wouldn't be shocked if well hopefully Marvel's Nakamba will have Nakamba enough fitness and kind of game time to build up that'd be perfect and I mean even going into next season if you have I guess and what I feel like is probably going to happen if Marv stays around you bring in a another defensive midfielder i like how we said we wouldn't talk about the summer and of course we always do but <laughs> anyways, it, it's, it's impossible but i mean it, it does give you that flexibility to either keep him around the first team or move him to maybe a championship side or something to get more game time so i i kind of i well i shouldn't say I kind of i i really like how we're handling a lot of these young players and we're giving them flexibility with first team experience and then to kind of go out and maybe be away from family for the first time on loan and i guess quote unquote to become more of a man <laughs> um but uh in regards to that very happy with the midfield three i i'm surprised that ramsey didn't score uh just before i think it was it when ing scored or around mm-hmm. there good save by uh, tim krul again does come up with those um strangely yeah. enough um even though most think he's just a penalty saving merchant but um yeah, and McGinn, of course, I'm shocked that he didn't score with the amount of opportunities he tried to take on, but basically all got blocked. But, Tom, let's move on to the back four. We're kind of going backwards with this setup, but I think it's important to really talk about more so your Luca Dean and 
Mings and how well they played. And of course, Callum Chambers coming in for Ezri Kanza as well. I mean, let's let's throw them kind of all in here. I mean, for one, I'm sure you'll probably agree that at this point in the season, I wouldn't be shocked if Callum Chambers gets a run out for at least most of the rest of the season. Um, definitely, especially against looking at Burnley against a physical side. And we know that Kanza can get a little agitated and kind of overheated at times and make silly mistakes with that. Um, but aside from that, I mean, Mings was rock solid, defended very well. Um, I mean, there was the one where he missed the clearance, but I feel like if he would have connected, it probably would have went into our own goal. So maybe that's a blessing in disguise. Yeah. Um, but I mean, aside from that, if you're looking at the left flank, I mean, we just looked, I mean, of course, we didn't look fantastic kind of in the first half per se until things switched. But I mean, we just look so much more comfortable breaking out from the left with Luca Dean compared to Ashley Young, as much as I do love Ashley Young. Um, it's just it's you break out with such more with so much ease and there's a lot more comfort in that and a lot less stress. But anyways, with all that being said, what did you make of the defensive line today? Yeah, I mean, like uh, shout out to Ashley Young, because whenever he fills in, I do think he, I, I think he does very, very well, really. He's a guy that I would definitely give that extra year to this summer. Um, but you're right. I mean, like they don't really compare having Luca Dina back. Um He's very good. I think the defensive side of Dina's game gets overlooked because his delivery is so good, which we saw again today. So like some of the balls he puts into the box, you you just wish you had like a big John Carew, that kind of figure in the box because the, the the delivery is fantastic from Dina. Um, but the defensive side of his game gets overlooked. I think he's very, very solid. And, you know, he's a French international for a reason, isn't he? Um, and again, okay, Norwich, not the sternest test, but you can only play again, contain, you know, the threat that's on the pitch in front of you, can't you? And I thought we did that very well today. Mings, I thought was excellent, like exemplary today. I thought he really, as a, a real captain's performance, I think it was his 100th Premier League game for Villa or 100th Premier League start. I can't remember what the exact um, statistic is, but um, yeah, I thought it was very, I just, I thought it was very good just very comfortable really and chambers I, I i'm inclined to agree like i concerts we've got to handle this situation delicately because what i what what we don't want to happen is esri concert think that he is now second choice center back and doesn't really have a route back into the team i don't want that because he's a quality defender but i'm just you know when you're when you're not in great form you're not in great form and esri concert's not been in great form callum chambers i didn't think he was like fantastic like I didn't think he was necessarily a standout today but he didn't really you know it didn't wasn't tested much didn't really do anything wrong and I just think that every time he's come in really he's looked a very solid addition especially considering the tiny money you know tiny amount of money paid for him um the fact that he's somebody you know a signing that came out of nowhere again in January he's not a player is he that let's be real 99% of Villa fans would have picked out from Arsenal's squad and gone, I want Callum Chambers in my, not not even just in my squad, but in my starting 11. You know, Very nobody, true. Was saying, <laughs> nobody was saying that at the start of January, were they? But I've really liked what I've seen from him. I think he's quite a classy player, actually. You can tell he's played at high level. I'm talking for Arsenal and I'm talking in Europe as well, you know, in the Champions League for Arsenal. And you can tell he has that experience. Um, I think him and Mings work quite well together. So... Back four, yeah. You know, I wasn't, um, again, not really tested that much. I suppose Norwich had more attacking possession than I thought they would. But back to looking solid again today. Because Leicester as well. Like I know Leicester, we were all a bit disappointed because it was a bit of an insipid game, wasn't it? We didn't really show that much attacking threat. But we looked very solid against Leicester. I didn't think they were very good, uh, that their performance that game. But we contained... We minimised their threat. It's two games in a row now where we're back to looking really solid at the back. And if you can look really solid at the back and also have a midfield, bit of a midfield screen in, whether it's Big Tim or Marvellous Nakamba or whoever it is, you've got that solid base back again, which we've just been lacking desperately for the last few weeks. So it's really good to see that back because um, I think like the Burnley game is going to be a bit of a test. Um, in a way, I think it's quite good that Burnley won today looking ahead to our Burnley game because then obviously they won't think that they're safe because they're not safe, but that, that was a big win for them this weekend against Watford. Um, so maybe it does. They're not quite scrapping for their lives quite as much as they would have been had they lost that game. 
Um, but let's be under no illusions that like the Burnley game is going to be tough. So to have that solid foundation back has come at a really good time, I think, for this run-in. Because if we can push on now and um, preferably, obviously, ideally finish top half, but even if we can finish, I think at this point, if we finish 11th instead of 14th or 15th, in terms of looking ahead to the summer, again, which we said we wouldn't do, that's quite a big difference, I think, in, in terms of your appeal and the law for players. If you can prove that you're mid-table and on the up rather than mid-table and dropping that might go a long way this summer i think so it's a good time to have found that steal again yeah and i mean i don't i, don't, I can't even remember to be honest if we mentioned it but it's another clean sheet two in a row um evan martinez has two clean sheets in a row it's just it's about i think at this point of the season it's about building confidence and optimism going into the summer into next season and i think that's the biggest and most important thing for me, I, I look at the rest of the season and I think, you know what, we're on a what minus two goal differential now. Let's let's at least get that to maybe a, a plus one or a plus two. Um, you have Burnley twice and we still have Palace before City. Let's get a few more clean sheets or hell, you know what? Why not aim for another th- three clean sheets there? Why not try to kind of focus on that defensive um, solidity and kind of get that um, down pat per se, really? So I think there's a lot of things you can look at. I'm very much looking forward to um, the city game when we rock up with Marv and um, Dougie Louise in the pivot and we just lock down that midfield. I think that would be brilliant. Oh, I just want to beat them so damn bad on that final day. But anyways, um, it's going to be interesting. And of course, I mean, I think just these little things, it, it builds confidence and it's nice to see other players really getting a chance. Of course, we'd like to see Chuck Omeka in there. I'm sure some fans or most fans would. The same goes for, I mean, you could list probably five, six, seven, eight, nine players, really, but that's the competition at this football club. We didn't have that even a few, a couple seasons ago when we got promoted and we were crying out for it. So um, it is what it is and we'll have to see, but Tom, let's, let's switch it to the, I guess, emotional aspect of this match. And that is Dean Smith. And then I want to kind of go kind of off the cuff and maybe talk about Norwich for a second. And um, I do have to bring up, the city kit that they wore today, uh, the man city, I should say, because that is the ugliest kit. I've probably one of the ugliest kid I've, I've ever seen, but um, Dean Smith, I mean, we all know him. We all love him. Um, it's bittersweet to see a former boss go down. Um, I guess you'd probably say with a bit of a whimper, because let's be honest, Norwich have been absolutely awful. The last two times they've been in the Premier league. Um for me, I think he is a Premier League quality manager. Um, he has a big job on his hands. And I mean, for it to be confirmed at Villa Park for them going down, you see all the the fan videos going around on social media with him applauding off like he did so many times in the past, shaking everyone's hands. You see all the Villa players hugging him, little Emi Buendia hugging him for a little second or two longer, mm-hmm. probably wishing he was still here just so he could play more. Um, but at the end of the day, it's uh, it's almost like a passing of the guard moment, isn't it? Really, you're thinking of what was when we had that kind of special connection with leader, fan, manager, and leader, fan, captain, and it's uh, it's the end of one era. I mean, it's already been the end, but I feel like I don't know if you feel it the same way, but I feel like after this game, it's like it's the final goodbye, almost, isn't it? It was closure today, wasn't it? Really? Yeah. Because I know that we were, you know, when 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 Smith got sacked. You know, I didn't want I didn't want Dean Smith to get sacked when he got sacked. I'm happy to say that. Like at the time, I didn't agree with that decision at all. Um, and I mean, obviously now with you can't judge it. You know, six months, five months on, or six months on, or whatever. Like, there's no point being like, you know, where would we be higher in the table now under Smith than we are under Gerard or whatever? Because we, you know, we've basically started again in terms of the project, haven't we? With Gerard says. It's no point judging it on those terms, but I think what we can say is that I know there are some fans who don't like to look back, which I I, I understand, but there's nothing wrong with looking back and reflecting on where you've been, right? As long as you keep eyes on where you want to go and where you are presently, there's no there's no problem with looking back, I think. And to pre- it would be daft and unfair to pretend that the Dean Smith era at Villa, those three years or however long it was, weren't a special time because that that was a it was a really special time as a fan. Like they, I do think it's fair to say that Smith, obviously he wasn't alone. He had his coaching staff, the owners, players, you know, Grealish was obviously a huge part of it. But it was under Smith that we sort of we got our villa back, didn't we? 
because we were like 14th in the championship when he took over. And it wasn't even just about the league position. It was about the football we'd been playing and the, the rising animosity at the end of the, the end of Bruce and all of that. And honestly, the way I feel about it is that Dean Smith made it fun to be a Villa fan again. Um, and I would go, you know, I, I've, I haven't been shy in saying this. I think he's, you know, I've been a Villa fan for, I mean, not that long compared to a lot of people, but 20 getting on 22 years, something like that. And I, without a doubt, I would say that Dean Smith is, a, the most important Villa manager of my lifetime as a fan. I don't remember. I'm too, I don't remember Brian Little. Um, so I came in around the John Gregory era. Um, but not just that, you know, important in terms of what he achieved, but just I've never known a connection to Villa like I felt really under Smith. And it was that thing of having a fan in the dugout, fan as the captain, and you're sort of your heart really beat for him and for the team every week. And I'm not saying we don't have that now because I, I I like the way that Gerard conducts himself and everything. And I think that we have the potential to go to a special place with Gerard over the next couple of years. I really do. But it's not disrespectful to where we are now to look back at the Smith era and be a little nostalgic for it. Right. And today was, today was sort of closure because he was, it didn't end, it didn't end nicely did it really the team in a real rut and and fans split over his sacking and then you know what it's like where you're you get split to on one extreme you're either a dean smith you know follower disciple or you're anti-smith and you know but it's, it's a shame that it gets separated into those binary terms because you've got to reflect on where we were under smith and what we did so it was nice today he deserved the reception that he got i'm really glad that that shone through from the crowd and from the players it was really nice the bond that he had with those players was evident you know while they were playing for him and it was very evident today as well um so it i it was it was just really nice it was nice um it's one of those i wish i could have been at villa park to sort of say thank you really i guess um and then i'm gonna i'm gonna choose to look at it as burnley relic Norwich today not Villa because <laughs> I don't I'm not sure I'm ready to say that we relegated Dean Smith and had Burnley not come from behind to beat Watford then Norwich would still be a Premier League team currently so um we'll let we'll put it in those terms to make ourselves feel better shall we it'll be on the papers that way though probably or something like that but uh that, okay. that'll that'll sell a few more copies I'm sure but um no you are right it's um it's very weird it feels like you're in a parallel universe when you're seeing that but um life goes on I, I think the thing that makes a lot of people and you know what i didn't really agree with the amount of people i'm surprised the amount of people that were up in arms about the banner to thank dean smith and things yeah. like that um for one in my opinion without looking back and reflecting and kind of not necessarily just cherishing but appreciating like people look back at villa's history and everyone rants and raves about the european cup all those years ago I mean, you're happy to do that, but you can't do it with a manager that's really brought us more, way more happier moments and more prouder moments than negative. I just find that very, very weird. It's almost like you're not allowed to be different with some of the fan base. I mean, I, I think that's a wider issue in society anyway, so we don't need to get into it. But what I'm trying to say is it's it's important to reflect and appreciate it. And it's not like he left us to move to a club that he thinks is bigger and better or something like that. Aston Villa football club decided to move on from Dean Smith, yeah. not the other way around. So um, I, I don't really understand that, but anyways, we can go into that parallel universe one day, eventually I'm sure. But um, there's a thing know, like you can, you can, you can be moving on and looking forward and also be reflecting and looking back. Like, it doesn't, exactly. you know what I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be one or the other, does it? And like you said about the European, you know, we're not equating, not equating what's no, yeah, but like, let's be real. If we're being quite real about our fan base and our club, we spend a lot of time looking back, don't we? Yes. <laughs> you know, whether it's, whether it's the early eighties or it's the mid nineties or, you know, whatever it is, we spend an awful lot of time looking back. So to suddenly decide that we can't look back on something that's still so raw and so recent is a really strange point of view, in my opinion. But yeah. anyway, it was nice. It was just nice to see. I was a little, you're always a little worried when you you get the vocal minority on social media or whatever, you 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 can get 
lulled into thinking that that's going to shine through in real life like at the stadium so yeah. from certainly from where i was where i was in the pub and watching it on tv it sounded like it was an overwhelmingly positive reception and one that he you cannot deny that he deserves a reception and an ovation and thanks like that yeah we wouldn't be in this league without him i'm convinced so you know what we wouldn't have had last season or the season before or this season without dean smith he's forever in our history and he's the man that got this football club back to where it should be so that's that's how i feel about it if people want to tell me differently then okay if not then maybe I'll just block you. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm getting I'm getting to that age now where I block more people on Twitter, not because I disagree with them, but because some of them are just so radically dumb that I just I can't cope with it. But anyways, you'll have uh, you're gonna have so many DMs after this. Oh yeah. Oh no. <laughs> I, I better go hide under my bed. Um, but anyways, I, I want to ask you a, a Norwich related question before we get on to uh, men of the matches, and then we'll talk about the the city kit thing because I. Again, I, I just it's hideous. Um, but um, if you're looking at the Norwich squad, and I know you'll get people, especially on social media, they'll look at the bottom three once it's all kind of done and the dust has settled, and they go, oh, you know, I wouldn't mind having this player or that player. Is there anyone on Norwich that you would take at Villa, or are they just that bad? Because I'm just kind of thinking about that today. I kind of felt bad for them, and I thought, is there anyone I would like to pick up aside from, of course, that we've already picked up Ebu Bundia, and I thought. Uh, you know what? Like, if we didn't have Danny Ings and you had more support around Timo Puki, would he be a terrible backup? Would he? I don't know. Aside from that, I was really struggling, but um, I don't know. Do you can you think of any Tom personally? No, it's interesting when a team goes down, you do sort of do that, don't you? You're yeah. like the vulture straight away picking at the carcass. <laughs> and like when Fulham went down, I was, you know, for example, I was really keen on uh Anguisa, the defensive midfielder. Yeah. Uh, you know, he was one that I'd have liked us to sort of savvily pick up at that point. Norwich, I don't I don't wanna um dunk on them from too great a height after having just relegated them um, and everything we've just said about Smith, but I don't think so really. Like I just, I, I find them, a, you know, they have got some decent players quite like Norman in midfield and you know, a couple of others, but I just don't think, I don't want to get ideas above our state, above our station because we are thoroughly a mid table team, but um, considering where we want to go. Um, no, I think we can leave their squad alone. Fair enough. It's not like I'm not saying, oh, I want Timo Puki or anything like that. I just kind of sat back and thought, is there anyone that I actually want to take? And really, it's no. But then when you kind of start thinking about it and if you didn't have certain players and how things might go in the summer. But anyways, that's not going to happen. So don't at me on Twitter or something saying I want these players from Norwich. No, I don't actually. But anyways, let's You're move asking on for trouble today. I'm, I'm asking for a lot of trouble today. So hopefully actually people get this far and give me that trouble. It'd be nice to know. But anyways, um, let's get over to our man of the matches slash match balls. Of course, um, apologies. I forgot to do uh, three word reviews on Twitter today. Um, right after the match so instead right before we started recording i did player of the matches and i think there's um, a bunch that already got sent in as well so let's do those first and then we'll go to tom and then we'll quickly hear mine that i'm sure no one really cares about but um anyways we'll do that and then we'll uh, wrap things up here quickly because i don't want to make this too long of a podcast so let's start with uh, David Cartwright saying the best two moments were Felipe Coutinho, but overall performance would have to go to Ings or Ali who pressed well and scored his goal. Uh, Lee says Ings, Mings, McGinn, um, the all Villa, no filler podcast, which is probably Frankie behind that. So hopefully Frankie, if you're listening, hope you're doing well. Um, he's saying Danny Ings is his man of the match. Then we'll go to, um, no is the username saying Wendia. Um, David Kearney saying Danny Ings, Mark Field, Watkins, um, uh, Fabian or Fabian. Well, I'll, I'll give you both names just in case so I don't butcher it. Says Big Tim. Well, just a picture of Big Tim, to be honest. Um, Michael Miller says Ings. And then we'll finish with um, Simon H saying honors even between Mings and Ings. So there's a little bit of rhyming there. We can go Watkins, Mings and Ings. You know what? Dr. Seuss, throw your heart out. But anyways, um, we'll, we'll leave it at that. Tom, take it away because I don't know what to say right now. <laughs> it's just, it's just ni- nice to have a few candidates again, really, because it's been slim pickings, isn't it, for a few weeks. Um, I think if you, what I will say is that uh, lots of shout outs, really. Like we've shouted out most of them already. Tim, uh, Mings, 
nice to see Luca Dina back and he was solid. Um, I think had Buen- if Buendia got more game time and you extrapolate and he maintained that level of performance over more game time, I think he'd be winning man of the match regularly, certainly from me. Um, but today I find it hard. I do find it hard to look beyond Danny Ings. It's weird to give it to somebody who didn't start, but, you know, he came on uh, so early comparatively and, you know, decisive moments in the game. Great pass for the opener, neat enough finish for the, for, for the clincher. Um, I don't really subscribe to the view. I've said this already. I don't really subscribe to the view that his finishing was a little lax today. I think he's very unlucky with that header. The other one was a more difficult chance than it seems, I think. Um, just decisive moments. And I feel like he does step up quite a lot. And he's just, he's, a, he's a guy that, you know, as fans, we can be very quick to judge only on, on pitch performance. I mean, with Ings, even if you're doing that, the numbers comparatively within our squad don't lie for him. But I just, I get the feeling he's a great, he's a really good guy to have around as well. He seems like, a, you know, he seems like a good guy personality wise. And also like he's one of the more experienced members of our squad. And I feel like he's a great, one of these great role models for our all of our young crop of players, particularly like over the summer, you know, over the summer when Cameron Archer comes back, when Louis Barry comes back, I'm absolutely delighted to have somebody like Danny Ings at the club for them. You know, pre, a full pre-season of all those players together is going to be great. Um, and today I thought he came up big for us. Uh, so I'd, I'd say I'd say Ings with probably the second shout out going to, to Tyrone Mings because he was just so solid today. Absolutely. I gave it to Danny Ings on the uh, player ratings on the 7,500 Holt website. So of course, go check that out if you would like to. There's been actually some decent attention on that. So thanks everyone for reading it. Um, But yeah, I mean, you have to give it to Danny Ings to be on the pitch for what, 50 odd minutes plus extra time in both halves. So we'll say what, 55, 60 minutes, roughly a goal and an assist could have had probably, to be honest, probably could have had two goals and two assists today with how he was playing at times. So I mean, it kind of speaks to how clinical he is, not even from just the, a finishing standpoint, but from a creative standpoint too. It, it, it's important. You have to, like, I, I think how football fans are really in, ingrained in it, and I get that way too, is, oh, a striker just has to be clinical and that's it. Well, you know what? If they can do a bit of both, I really couldn't care as long as we're scoring goals and we haven't scored a goal for a while now so any way it goes in it's nice to see and even when you see those um goal or i guess the efforts that went off the post and the replay from bailey and ings in particular yeah it's frustrating you would love to see a four or five nil score line but it's nice to say that we're creating more chances it, it's a positive kind of moment in the game so you know what i'll take that over another drab nil nil or a depressing loss or whatever it is so Let's be positive about it. But uh, anyways, Tom, this has nothing to do with Villa. I don't know why I want to talk about it, but I've seen tweets about it. Um, I watched part of the Man City um, game today that was on against Leeds, and I just cannot get over how ugly this kid is. I mean, do you agree? Do you disagree? I, I, I feel like you would be better to essentially just take chalk or marker or something and just write Man City on your shirt than that to be honest because i don't know is it for people that struggle with logos or i i don't know like i i get the whole thing with kits being more fashionable now because in terms of the marketplace people buy them more often so than not now but i mean it is just awful isn't it i don't know i mean it looks like is it i didn't watch any of city, city today because i'm not gonna lie to you i try to avoid watching them if i can <laughs> just they just don't interest me it's not even the Grealish thing i just i don't Liverpool, I quite enjoy watching, but City, I just, I just don't interest me at all. But is this the kit that looks like a uh, training? Yeah, and it just says Man City on top? it. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, you, you, you know, you make it, and they shall buy it, won't they? You know, that's <laughs> so. I've seen plenty of worse kits in my time. Um, I can't quite share you share the level of animosity that you feel towards it, but. Um, yeah, it does look like it does look a bit like a training top, doesn't it? Am I uh, literally having to get it up now on my phone because, like I said, I didn't watch City today. Um, it just to me though, like I, I sit back and I think Puma makes them. Like, is it Puma? I can't even remember. But anyways, Puma does make awful kits, anyways. If it is or not, I'm gonna look that up too because I'm having a mirror. But like, I don't know. I, I think it speaks to the wider issue of football, like creativity these days. It's really lacking because <laughs> yeah. i think they came up with kits like for dortmund and other sides i think psg might have one as well i mean 
it just reminds me of like, you know how you'd go to like a really nice store and you might get, I don't know, a t-shirt that's like designer for say like $50 or something that you really like. And it's high quality. It reminds me if you went to like, I guess for Canadian purposes, like a giant tiger um, and you go get like a shirt off the rack for like, I don't know, discounted like $5 and it's cotton and it'll probably shrink within a few months after you wash it a few times. That's what that reminds me of. It's like a fake jersey, yeah, almost essentially is what I'm saying. I like a nice clean kit. Like, why does it have so much writing on the front? There's like three <laughs> lines of writing on the front. Like, no, if I wanted to read, I'd get the paper before the game. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It is Puma but, too, by the way. So I just wanted but, to save myself. Anyway, all, all of my favorite kits have Muller or AST computers on the front and uh, a nice clean design. So Yeah. If anyone has one of those sweat old Villa sweaters that were like the old Reebok ones. I've been um, trying to source one of those for ages. Yes. Yeah, if anyone really has nice. one or two of them and either for me, it'd be a, a men's small or medium, probably medium at this rate um, after COVID. But anyways, um, yeah. Um, at us at 7,500 Holt or <laughs> at TD Nightingale <laughs> or at Talk Aston Villa. If you want to send us merch as a sign of your appreciation, then yes, we'll, we'll do that too. As long as it's a reasonable price. Cause let's be honest, <laughs> the thing that the way that things are going in this economy around the world right now with, uh, purchase prices um i'm not paying like 100 pounds for uh, a used shirt that's been sitting in your closet for 20 years but we we can talk for sure but uh anyways tom i don't know what we're doing at this point in time to we be should honest cut this off now let's, yeah we're gonna yeah. we're gonna go into an uh, economics podcast if we're not careful yeah i i did take an econ class in university but it i wasn't very good at it so let's uh let, let's leave it at that but anyways thank you very much to tom for joining us or me i should really say today um, and of course, thank you to everyone that's listening. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, wherever you get your podcast, do hit that follow or subscribe button. It just makes it easier for you to keep track of what we're coming up with. We have plenty of stuff coming up over the summer. And if you're uh, new and, or even have been here for a while and you're already subscribed, um, give it a rating or a thumbs up or whatever you can. It makes it easier for others to find us too. And I've noticed a lot of people have been doing that lately, especially on Spotify. So thank you to everyone that has done that. It takes a few minutes. I know it's tedious for some, but it does mean a massive lot to us. But anyways, we're going to shut this up because I didn't think we'd be going for this long for a 2-0 over Norwich City, but it is me and Tom and we do like to uh, rant and rave. But anyways, we should be back hopefully for a match preview prior to the Burnley game next Saturday. But anyways, take it easy and don't forget up the villa. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.